Hey everyone, this is Freen, and you're listening to Super Smash Hoes, the podcast where we smash the patriarchy one episode at a time. because today I'm joined by Virginia Mendez, the co-founder of TheFeministShop.com and author of Mika and Lola, a children's book which challenges gender stereotypes. And now I'll just let Virginia tell you a bit more about herself. Hi! Um, So yeah, I'm Virginia and I am Spanish mom, but I've been living in Belfast for the last six years. And I started my feminist journey well, probably not being a feminist, but um, it has evolved very much since then. My first feminist project from the realization of the importance of gender equality and all the responsibility we has was um, precisely the book, Once I Find Out I Was Pregnant. And with these things, I feel you always feel like you can do more and you have to do more. So um Relatively shortly after, I founded with my husband, The Feminist Shop, that is a hub for information and an ethical brand for books and feminist merchandising. And I'm also working at the moment with my second book for children, which is about consent, and uh, my first book for parents about the importance of gender stereotypes and and the effects they have in their early childhood. So basically trying from every angle to raise awareness and change um, the way we do things because there's so much to change. Yeah, tons to change. And I also know, Virginia, that you are um, part of 2019's Top 100 UK Female Entrepreneurs um, because of FeministShop.com. So can you tell me a little bit about how the website started and what inspired you to start it? Well, it was actually a couple of Christmas ago. Um, by then, I was a um, hardcore feminist and everybody was expecting feminist presence from me, which, fair enough, that's what they were getting. Uh, and I started looking online and I felt like there were things here and there, but nothing really that wowed me. Uh, something that really matches our values. Um so I could find things and there were a lot of, of great spaces, but I, I felt that there was not a brand, a brand itself that people can recognize and that reunited all those values that feminists speak about. So Chris and I started talking about doing it ourselves. He is a e-commerce um, professional, so that's what he um, does as his um, other job. Um and then we start getting excited. We went online. We saw the the feministshop.com was available. We bought the domain, and then it started growing and growing. I we needed to have books because you cannot understand feminists without books. But then we also have to have information, and and we wanted to be a hub where people could just get a lot of information. So we recommend podcasts, TV shows, videos, websites, and social media, and. Um, we divide it in topics. We just want people to have all the information available for for them to educate themselves in feminism and find the things that click them. 
Um, so yeah, it's been a, a massive journey and our vision and our uh, expectations about what we could do has only increased. But, um, but yeah, we love it. And I think there's so much we can offer uh, as a feminist ethical brand. Yeah, that's something I found was really interesting on your website is you're not just an e-commerce site. You're not just selling um, feminist merchandise, but you have blog posts, you have links to articles, you have, like you said, it's a hub of feminist information um, and you curate a lot of content for your website. You can tell me a little bit about that process. Like, how do you find people to write for you? Where do you look out to? What is it like developing those types of um developing a business that's beyond selling something to your consumer because this is another step in your business um and it's something that a lot of companies especially e-commerce companies don't have um but it's really easy to integrate right like you're not going to go on to zara and read blogs um about feminism yeah how do you find it benefits your business as well we won't so obviously we need to sell i mean at the moment we're only that's our only revenue stream at the moment it's um through sales and and that it's an important thing for us uh, but we thought that if we were going to claim to be the feminist shop as we are we needed to be much more than that i think people can see through you know just a stick um a slogan into a cheap t-shirt that it's using you know just women and underpaying them somewhere I think um, we wanted to give back and it had to be present in all the aspects of the business. Uh, for me, feminist, um, it's, it's an education and it's a journey. And feminist is about talking to each other and challenging our own ideas and growing uh, and being part of a community that is passionate about changing the world and making it more fair and more equal. So the education side of it, it's my passion. We wanted all the merchandising to follow that um, ethos as well. So whenever we design products, they always have in mind that they're supposed to make a statement and start conversations. We want them to get people a reason to talk about and express their feminism and, and, and support something they believe in. But yeah, we, we want it to be much more than just a shop with a slogans. Um, we wanted to give back to the causes that are doing all the amazing jobs in the in the ground. Um, and yeah, education is key. I love writing and, and our blog is quite eclectic. Um, we don't speak about one topic in particular. We just try to do every week um, something different. So we've talked about sex, about motherhood, about poverty period, about breastfeeding, about um, activism, just about the role of men in feminism, women in history. So the way it normally works is I interview somebody, which I've been spoiled because I have had so many amazing people and there's amazing names in the pipeline. And I give them the chance to talk about what they do and what is their feminist project. And then I do an interview that it's a questionnaire that it's the same for everyone. The idea behind it is for people to understand that feminism is all of us. And we don't have to agree in absolutely everything. But it's very rare that you don't identify with things that the other person is saying. So that moment of... Um, identifying and listening to different voices and challenging our own ideas about feminists I think it's really important that sense of community 
and then normally inspired by their projects, either I invite them to write a blog themselves or republish something that is important, or I write something around um, that topic. So that gives me the opportunity to apply a feminist perspective and lens into completely different scenarios because, yeah, I think feminist is just a perspective and a, a way to see things. So you can talk about literally everything and feminist. We were talking about the Titanic and feminist for the Titanic Day, and it was great to research about the women that were there, about the impact, about... Um, why all the women's and child first was it feminist was it not so so there's always a lot to explore from the feminist point of view so yeah I'm finding that fascinating and I hope that those posts can help people just to challenge and and just be a little bit thought-provoking do you have um a topic that was your favorite that you have like apply the feminist lens to yet is there something that really struck out to you as wow I never even considered this before my interview um I think um, sexuality and motherhood they're two topics that are super interested from a feminist point of view I think because it 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 means a complete change of narrative the way we understood things and the way things were explained to us from this patriarchal society it's it's completely different from the reality so i'm very driven and i'm very passionate about listening and exploring more of what feminists have to do and say in that aspect um but no i'm learning i'm learning so much from each interview i am loving the conversations about intersectional feminism i think that's something where it's that's that's the pillar of where we should be all going and and yeah for me it's been great and it's been a a great journey of learning and exploring and hopefully making people part of my own growth and learning process which is what I'm trying yeah so with the point of intersectional feminism I mean you yourself have quite a diverse background right you're currently living in Belfast um, but you have roots in in Spain right Um, and you know you have a much broader like life experience to draw from and how do you think that influences your own personal views towards feminism or your own way of of looking at the feminist agenda well I'm I'm Spanish and I live in Northern Ireland which have a completely different feminist journey feminism in Spain is huge at the moment it's it's really really big and I'm and feminism in Northern Ireland is very um active I would say it's a smaller, the society itself, it's maybe a little bit more conservative, which mm-hmm. makes the feminist uh, activists be more radical as a response, um, which has been really interesting to um, to see. While in Spain, it's becoming very mainstream. I mean, you cannot turn on the TV or or listen to something without having the word feminist in it. It's, it's in every conversation. So it's very, very different perspective. Um, I, to be honest, I'm just I'm just learning. I'm I just bring pieces of the things that make make me who I am and, and trying to learn from this. I think the Black Life Movements, it's been huge learning for all feminists. 
I think mm-hmm. it's one of those moments in which um, feminists have had a lot to think about and 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 a lot of ideas to put together, and and yeah, involving to in, into the way of activism and and same with all the gender and trans activism um, theory. I think it's it's a lot. It's very enriching for feminists, and I don't imagine a feminist that doesn't be part of all of those things Mm -hmm. that's a good point you mentioned some of the movements that are really prominent right now in the feminist discourse and i know noticed one thing about feministshop.com you you don't just have products that like have feminist slogans on them but you're also committed to donating a proceeds of your profits towards organizations that you partner with um and I noticed that some of your organizations are based in Belfast and they cover a wide range of topics. So how do you decide who to work with? Uh, That's one question. But then also, why is it so important to you that your brand is more than just selling, you know, feminist slogans and um, actually partnering with these organizations? Well, um, I I do think that um, it it comes with a responsibility to decide to... um, call yourself a feminist business I'm all I mean I am a business I am a non for I mean I'm not a social enterprise and and I am a ethical feminist business but if you want to represent those values I think you have to do it properly and I think more and more people are seeing through bullshit which is great I know I am myself (laughs) Um, so for us is at the very core of everything that we do to try to be a help for the movement itself and we couldn't do that without supporting the amazing organizations that are doing all the real work in the ground so we first started with some local um, associations uh, our first uh, association we partnered up with was the homeless period in Belfast and we donated 10% of our profits from the crowdfunding campaign uh, whenever we were first starting and and since then, the, the idea has developed into linking different associations to different collections. And I normally let the feminist artists to choose a cause that it's close to their hearts. Because I think that um, gives them, first of all, much more freedom, but also it is very emotional process. And I, and I want them to feel like they are as in love with our collaboration as I am. So Pink Beats, uh, she's Australian and she suggested um, Share the Dignity in Australia, which is um, another period poverty association that they're doing amazing things. And then we got during lockdown, we partnered up with Women Say in Northern, in Northern Ireland with our Togetherness collection. Elena, which is our most recent one, uh, is going to an autism for women and non-binary people network, which is um, yeah, which is really interesting as well. And because she is an autist, she's autistic herself, and and she finds that there's so much need of feminist voices within the autistic movement. And we got during the summer one, which was all about body positivity, and ten uh, percent of the sales went to Beat Support, which is uh, to avoid eating disorders. So yeah, we try to make a link with the collection so people know that a direct part of their purchase is going to help 
something specific and we like to let them aware <clears throat> sorry of what that exact project is um so yeah we just we just love being able to support completely different associations because feminist is not one thing feminist is present in so many areas so from domestic abuse to period poverty celebration of um of breastfeeding like there's so many things on the way um and the, the bigger we grow the more we're going to be able to shout about those associations but also effectively support them with money which is what they need the most that's fair that's fair so you were mentioning you know you guys have been open for about one year now um so what do you think has been your biggest lesson in this year the biggest lesson is everything is slower and everything is more expensive <laughs> than you imagine. So you have an idea and you're like, everybody's going to fall in love with this. And, and it does take much more time and much more money just to even raise um, visibility. And, and all the things that happen behind the scenes, um, they always take much more time than you would originally expect so um launching every new collection or talking with um just just up uploading all the content or having all the conversations and just trying to get beat the algorithms and beating the big companies with big pockets for having a space with the ads all that um it's been a big lesson but the other lesson it's been to enjoy the highs I think I've never been this happy and and I've loved every single day I've been working in this and that excitement and that passion I I do think it people can see through that and yeah so just be authentic and and once you understand why you do what you do um don't give up that was a really good point you brought up there um in the middle about you know competing with the established large organizations and you know there's something I think there's a clear difference in value of what you're bringing you have an ethical supply chain you have a really clear mission and your feminist values are visible from the beginning of your supply chain to the end Um, whereas with a lot of bigger corporations that isn't evident but they do have the that space in the market so how do you compete how do you um educate people who who might think that a feminist t-shirt from a fast fashion company is a way for them to declare their solidarity um but you know how do you trans transmit the message that hey like what you're actually buying isn't actually supporting the feminist movement it's very it is very difficult and um we just believe that we're just very optimistic and believe that people know better and people are <clears throat> understanding and see through that also we're not very pushy with our sales and I openly tell people to you know buy less and buy better use hand-me-downs mm-hmm. swap clothes with friends I mean I think we are in an over-consuming society and I think that's something which is it is very dangerous so it's very difficult to rely on selling, but at the same time trying to promote, <laughs> to, to tell people not to buy a lot. Um, but we just hope people can can see through that. We know we're extremely proud of, as you said, all our 
produ production chain, we are um, working with our renewable energy factory. All our apparel is fair wear, so the people are receiving a certified good salary and having good work conditions. The ink is vegan, the cotton is organic certified, but not only that, all our products are drop shipping and print on demand, which means that we do not create any waste. So we only produce the thing that people buy, which means that we don't need to get into that cycle of consumism of producing a lot to lower the prices, to sell to people, and then sales and we don't have to we only produce what people buy and that gives us um a lot of calm in terms of we know we're not doing any damage uh same with the drop shipping i think the fact that we're not multiplying the carbon footprint of with our deliveries and we are proud of that and we think that the people we are targeting and directing our message like those things and see through those things and and yeah, it's not, that's why for us it's important not to be just a slogan on a t-shirt. It's about making the statements and starting the conversations in an ethical way, but also giving all the content and education and resources and the giving up to the causes. So it's a whole, um, it's a whole thing. It's not just you bought one product. It's just you're part of a brand that is trying to do the right thing from different angles. And we just want people to be excited to be part of it. Yeah. Um, so with the with the angle of sustainability, and you just said yourself, you know, you're always telling people like be as sustainable as you can. Consumerism is not helping the environment. It's not helping anyone. You know, um, there are a lot of intrinsic flaws with capitalism and the way it functions. So how do you, as a brand, continue to put out products that people will want to buy? Um, without overdoing it what kind of considerations then do you have um, about yeah. what is in this what is something to put out and what is maybe something that's an unnecessary um, so we think that um, people still want to buy and people will still need to buy uh, mm -hmm. but we advocate for people buying less and buying better we mm -hmm. so we offer a huge selection of things uh, so whenever people have to buy or decide to buy for a gift or something of the decision of buying it's already made they have options that are aligned with their values um, so yeah I don't think people necessarily don't want to buy all together and we do buy things as well ourselves whenever we have to but um yeah we're not trying to um we're not trying to impose or provoke this this change this fast fashion thing i mean our t-shirts are actually quite classical and you know they're like very normal models that will fit you today and will still be fashionable in 10 years time. There's slogan t-shirts or t-shirts with an F, with a design, with, you know, a classical cuts. Um, so yeah, they're not fashion trenders. We're not following this year it's print animal, next year it's color blog, next year it's velvet. We're just very, you know, hopefully classical. Hopefully our products, you will lo love them today and love them in five years time. 
and yeah, buy less, but buy better, better quality and in a more ethical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're based in Belfast, but the shop is international. You guys ship worldwide. So um, how has it been with artists and stuff? Do you have a lot of artists and collections from people who aren't based in the UK or have a different uh, background? We've had um, we've had different artists. So um, so we have Elena at the moment, which is from Spain. Uh, Pink Bits is from Australia. Amanda Mustard is mm-hmm. from America. And we got a couple of girls that won a contest that are from Italy. Um, Neve is local and Carol also is from it's from Spain so no it's it's all over the place and and that is exciting for us I remember the excitement whenever we sold um one of our pink bits collection uh, to a girl in Alaska or somebody in Singapore bought a product designed by a girl in Spain and being able to be in the middle of all those interactions between feminists was really, really exciting. Yeah, actually, now that you're saying Pink Bits, um, I'm thinking, why do I recall that name? And I just checked on my phone. I actually follow Pink Bits on... She's so good. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. She's really thought-provoking in all her paintings. And that's what we're trying to do with our Fs. We're just trying to give the space to people that we admire as artists, but also the message that they have to say and, and the way they see feminists and, and you know, just collaborate and, and, and expand that message of feminism is all of us. And there's all of, you know, there's different ways to do this and, and, and you can align and you can see something and share that that thing with with somebody completely different to you. What would you say your um, biggest piece of criticism that you have received so far is and how did you work around that or learn and grow from that? I think, well, you we've received um, some criticism from obviously people that hate feminism altogether. That, and that's fine and that was fine it's just you it, it hurts when it comes from friendly fire whenever it's people that you would expect that they support you but they yeah the biggest criticism is whenever they say you're making money out of feminists or you know you're just trying to make feminists profitable and uh, to me it's not difficult to uh explain that I have to I mean I have to eat and I and this is my work I work um so many hours I work full time in the family shop and writing my books and and bringing and raising awareness uh, to the topic I, I used to work in corporate and I used to make money in corporate doing things that I don't think it has a positive impact in the world and what I put in now, my skills and my savings and my time into has a very obvious positive impact in the world. So by telling people not to work in good things or in things that are positive for the world because they should not get paid by it and they should only do it out of passion, we're silencing a lot of voice and cutting a lot of talent in the way. 
So I think it's the opposite. I think it's very valuable that people decided to invest and take a risk. And starting a business is a huge risk, um, especially in the first years until you get established and, and you prove the concept and, and it becomes profitable. The first years are not profitable. So by me taking this risk into something that I'm passionate about and because I have a vision of making a real impact in the world, I don't think it's anything I'm ashamed of. It's something I'm extremely proud of and I'm extremely um, inspired by other people doing the same thing. And I think once you explain that to people, people agree. I think it's just, I can see how the first instinct whenever you see maybe people selling stuff with feminism because we're used to Sara and Topshop and Primark doing so, it's a little bit of you know rejection but I think once people get into the website and see all the content and all the interviews and all the way we produce and the way we sell it's actually quite easy to get around the critics and and make them allies and just ambassadors of what we're trying to do so yeah and the ones that are not feminists they were going to hate us anyway so just bring them in who cares <laughs> yes. no that's a that's a really interesting point because yeah, I've considered that too, you know, a lot of times, like, you're not, there's this concept that we're not allowed to commodify things that are supposed to be good for the world, we are supposed to do them voluntarily, or simply because we're passionate about it, um, which is really noble. But as you said, we have to feed ourselves, and I cannot continue to live and do the activism I care about if I cannot fund doing that activism. Um but yeah, it's something I too, I've thought a lot about with, with my podcast. I've had a lot of, I put a lot of hours, a lot of time into this. Um, and it's great, but I, you know, I can't afford to do it um, full time and not get anything, you know, monetary out of it. Uh, but I think there is this overarching view that, well, if you are doing something that's, you know, social activism based, it shouldn't be commodified. But it's also... Um it's also very classist because by doing that you're just limiting the people that can actually do it because they have other ways of income or certain savings so mm -hmm. only people that have that capacity to dedicate their extra time or their extra money to be activists then they're the ones that get a voice in the activist world and the activist world is very much needed to all the voices probably the ones that are listening the most are the ones that um, that can't afford to do all those things for free. So by paying and giving a way out to people and supporting the people that are using their time and their talent and their voices into um, doing things that are good for the whole world, that's when, you know, we're just winning <laughs> we're all winning at this i just i just find fascinated that nobody critics no nobody goes as hard with people that are just openly not doing anything good because nobody expects them to do things good but then everybody feels it's okay to boycott the ones that are trying well people are really trying their best and and i think it's it's fair to support them on their way to build a new way and a new economy and a, a new um, world overall so yeah I would not feel bad to commentize your podcast or 
or find a way to make your activism sustainable for you and, and just to get paid for your time. And I think those are conversations that we should need, we should have uh, more openly, all of us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that came up to a lot um, during the Black Lives Matter movement was this idea that we turn to Black people for their time and for their expertise um, for free, you know? Of everything else, I want your emotional labor for free. And I get that a lot as like doing feminist and activism work. It's, well, can you please just for free, tell us a little bit about this or, and of course I can't, you know, I feel like, yes, because I'm doing a social good, but also you can't be exploiting my expertise or my, my experience or my knowledge um, simply because you can, you would never go up to an investment banker and ask him, you know, can you come and do like a little con- like a five minute segment on stocks or whatever? And we won't, um, compensate you for your in any way yeah no it's always with the vocational or the do-gooders jobs nobody goes to amazon and be like look amazon i'm just gonna grab these couple of things just Mm -hmm. for free it's like well no (laughs) or or yeah as you said nobody will do it with you know in a bank or in those serious jobs that you know or deloitte or you know big corporate nobody expect a job work done for free except when yeah when it's emotional or educative or things that are good for the world mm-hmm. altogether um and yeah and we need to change that narrative and i think we need to do it unapologetically we need to get people paid for what they bring to the world and if changing the world were profitable enough as in and I'm not talking about people becoming rich, I'm just talking about making a sustainable life, we will have many more amazing, talented and diverse boys leading the way that just cannot mm-hmm. afford to. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting point, is doing it unapologetically um, and you know, kind of valuing your time. But how do you, and this is a question I've had a lot, and maybe you have a better answer than I do, because I know you do have a bit more of a background in business, but how do you value in economic terms this type of emotional labor educational labor how do you value what an activist does i well i'm not the best person to ask because i have massive emotional problems selling (laughs) so i like the idea of having merchandising because that's something i am relatively comfort like I'm comfortable selling, I'm giving you a product, I know the amount of work and the amount of process that has behind, but I, but we don't sell anything else in the shop, we don't, we don't charge for anything else, and the only revenue stream is through products, but I am finding really um, refreshing and really positive seeing people, influencers in the feminist sphere, in Instagram being very open like hi if you like what I do this is my PayPal you know give what you want and or Patreon people with Patreons just sharing their content in a more um, selective way just trying to make a living out of it or um, Sophie Haggins was saying the other day like what else would you want from me what would you pay me to do and I thought that was amazing way to frame it. What would you pay me to do? What do you want from me? But what would you pay? Because it's very easy to ask somebody to do something. You know, oh yeah, I would love you to talk more about this. Would you pay me to do that? Um, would you like me enough to do this? 
just to pay for it. Um, so yeah, I think there there are the patreons and giving the PayPal open and asking people, you know, just with honesty and authentic, being authentic. Look, if you like what I do, just consider supporting me and inviting me to a coffee. And you know, and sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just the price of a coffee, but it makes a massive difference whenever you have a big audience that you're educating just to just to make it a bit more sustainable because it is a lot of time invested in your podcast. You know that every article I write, all those things in the background, it takes a lot of time and people just can't really see that. So it's fair to get to make it into a sustainable living. So how can people who want to get more involved with what feministshop.com, what can they do? I mean, other than obviously shop and buy your merchandise, how else can they get involved with your bigger mission? Well, to be honest, we don't even expect um, everybody to buy. Um, we have a newsletter. So if people um, subscribe every Friday, we send a feminist newsletter in which we recommend um a book and, and we talk about one topic in particular we share the content of that week we normally share a video and um, a post and, and we explore one specific topic then there is obviously social media and any support in social media and those things are free but make a huge difference like having people sharing your stuff and commenting and, and raising the engagement and, and helping you get to the right target, those things are, are really, really valuable. So, yeah, just let us know what they need from us and what do they would like to see more of. And, yeah, that's basically it. And if there's anything that they um, like or if they're considering to buy a feminist book and rather than buy it from Amazon, they rather support a smaller business and just know that we're there and we're um we're trying to change the world <laughs> no that's great um i i was wondering if you had any questions for me before we started wrapping up so um yeah i'm very interested about um you were saying about uh commentizing and your own podcast so what is your big vision what how do you see this go in oh gosh that is a scary question um go go unapologetic go big I have been thinking about things like merch and monetizing the podcast for a few months now um you know I have a folder of little designs that I've doodled and um I've had multiple ideas and stuff but my biggest concern has been would anybody be interested in this um and you know making sure exactly like what you guys are doing every process of if I'm putting out a product every process of that product creation has to be for me to be able to put it out transparent and ethical and align with my values on the podcast um which inherently also means that that end product is going to be probably more expensive than your Zara t-shirt and yeah I guess my worry is will anybody be interested um but my big vision, I'm a student right now. I just finished my master's at LSE um, this August. And I'm now doing a master's in law. So I'm doing like a law conversion course. Um, but honestly, if you ask me what I want to do, um, I would love to do this activism 
type of thing full time, like not working for someone else, putting out content, um, writing, or even, you know, the thing with social um, media is you can be a platform for other people's artwork and content. So creating some type of media platform where we're highlighting um, voices from around the world and from different marginalized groups, that would be like my ideal far off in the vision goal. Well, then go for it. I mean, 100%. It'll be harder than you think, but it'd be also a thousand times more rewarding than you think. So yeah, but yeah, very good. You're doing an amazing job. So it's really, and it's very easy to just doubt yourself and and just, it's the big, it's the, the world is so huge and the visibility to get is so difficult. So um, yeah, I think even, trying and starting and moving on and advancing and growing the way you're doing it's it is really speak so highly about you so yeah give yourself some credit and just go for the big vision thank you thank you I think the other difficult thing about you know social activism or, or feminism in general is I think in the world of business you're often told to take risks and like risk taking is a really good thing but when you're trying to mix that aspect of business with like gender and feminist theories you want you don't want to take a risk that could have an unintended negative consequence. Like your ignorance and your risk taking could cause um, an issue that you didn't even intend, right? Like, you know, I could put out a t-shirt um, that completely accidentally is trans exclusionary without even realizing it. Or because I didn't do my due diligence, I, you know, have the cotton I have um, sourced isn't as sustainable as I thought it was. Um, or cotton dyes aren't something like that. But I think that happens, and I think the difference between ethical business and shitty business are they're willing to pivot and to apologize and to correct your mistakes and to move forward, having learned what you've learned. And I posted the other day in my social media um, an image that I thought it was it was really positive and somebody mm-hmm. said oof look have you this you know like be careful because from this point of view you know it can be looking a bit like white savior and I didn't thought about it mm-hmm. and I've apologized and I said like I'm gonna leave so I changed the caption and I said I'm leaving this image on this was my thought process I've learned since then thanks to this person that this could be thing and now I realize of the mistake and I'm going to leave the post on and I want to welcome a debate for people to chip in uh, and see if we can all learn from this and it was really interesting to see oh well I disagree I don't think it's white saver other people saying yes other people saying no and we've all learned from each other and I was the first one that I was like wow fair play didn't see it from Mm -hmm. that point of view but it is true and and I think that's good. I think we need to be able to pivot and change and make mistakes and and apologize and learn. That's what it's all about, to just keep growing all together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah, being able to ma- accept the many mistakes that we will be making on the way and work as hard as we can to be as ethical and as transparent as, as we want to be. 
Yeah, I think one of the best things, um, so I did my master's in gender and public policy. And I think one of the best things that I was ever told, it was like our first week of class. And they said to us, in order to study feminism or in order to practice feminism in any capacity, the biggest thing you will need is empathy. You need to have empathy for feminists before you, feminists around you, and feminists you work with. Because every you can point out a flaw in anyone. And you have to have empathy to understand that people aren't necessarily coming from a bad place. Um, and that is probably the most important takeaway is, you know, we're living in a culture which is really PC, which is good. You know, I appreciate political, I, I, I am not complaining about that, but we do live in like this culture of like wokeness and being canceled, um, and being held to account, which again, being held to account is a very good thing, but having empathy for people to understand where did they come from and what did they intend and what can they learn rather than just, well, you did this wrong, you're out, bye. And I think the feminist community really does try to focus on educating one another rather than just canceling. And that's something I really appreciate about this community is I see a lot more, let's talk about yeah. it rather than... That's all, that's all, I mean, if there's one thing I can just, you know, I can get the very, very core of what the family shop it's about. If I could just do it in one sentence, it'd be let's talk about this i think it's all about those conversations because those conversations have shaped me into the feminist i am now from not being a feminist at all to what i am now and those conversations um teach me so much every day and i know that that there's so much for me to learn and to do and it's all going to happen through these conversations so yeah 100% could not agree more i think that's a like most outstanding way to end this um so before we do because that was really strong I don't want to say anything else would you like to let people know where they can find you um how they can interact with you and all of the other ways that they can get involved yeah so our website is um thefeminishop.com and our social media is at thefeminishop.com the ot com and i'm always willing to talk so just drop me a dm or write to me and i am really really accessible and i'm really looking forward to know what you have to say and and how can i help and which kind of collaborations you have in mind and what do you want to see more of so please do reach out Thank you, Virginia, so much for coming on the show today and having a conversation about all of these topics. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you. Also, for all the listeners out there, Virginia has been incredibly kind to provide us with a coupon link for thefeministshop.com. You can use the coupon code SUPERSMASHHOSE. It's all one word. Um, the referral link will also be pasted in the show notes. Just a quick like disclaimer, it is an affiliate code. Um, so you don't have to use it. It's completely optional, but if you'd like to, it's there for you to use. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to rate and subscribe and you can follow Super Smash Hose, Super Smash Hose Media on Instagram and www.supersmashhosemedia.com. Thank you all so much. 